We interrupt this podcast with a job ad from the SARS Hollow Gazette. Luke Danes is now hiring for waitstaff. This job requires you to take orders from patrons and write those orders down to give to Caesar. In addition, you should expect to refill coffee for customers from the designated decaf or caffeinated carafes. You will also attend to a customer needs, such as providing clean napkins taken from a package and not from your back pocket. Luke is especially looking for someone who has excellent hygiene and understands the need to wash your hands after dissecting a frog and before eating a sandwich. He would also prefer that you not dance on the tables of the empty diner after you have scared away all of his business. If interested in this position, apply in person and be ready for some extra questions from diner regular Kirk, who will be assisting with interviews. Mention talking fast and Luke will not give you any special treatment. Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. This week we are recapping Gilmore Girls Season 4, Episode 9, Ted Koppel's Big Night Out. The episode bio is... Emily discovers that Richard has been secretly meeting someone for lunch for years. Lorelai accepts an invitation to dinner. Nothing about football. No. (laughs) An interesting episode. Before we get into everything, don't forget to rate and review us on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And join us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast. And you can listen ad-free on Patreon. Just search Talking Fast Podcast. And we've got something special coming up. Or is it happening right now? Oh, yeah. We've got something special happening right now. (laughs) If you are not following us on Instagram, you should be. So what's happening on our Instagram right now? We are... er, We've just started our Talking Fast Fall Festival a week of fun themed days where you can share a post on your Instagram story following the theme we set for that day related to our segments. So, you know, on our Rory's bookshelf, you will share something fall related that you're watching or listening to, so on and so forth. And each time you share a post, you will have your name entered for our giveaway, which features many fun items made by Gilmore Girl fan crafters, Etsy sellers, and whatnot. Yeah, and if you missed yesterday's prompt, that's okay. You can enter throughout the whole week, and you don't have to enter every day, but you definitely can. We also Mm -hmm. have some bonus points built in to get your name added a few extra times to get those goodies. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) Okay, so what are your initial thoughts on this episode? This was... Another memorable episode for me that I didn't know happened here. (laughs) Yeah. I remembered distinctly this football game, the drama that happens with Richard and Emily. I did not realize this was paired with the Jason and Lorelai date, which is also memorable to me. And Mm -hmm. then the Paris and Asher thing, which (laughs) is horribly memorable to me. And I thought it... I didn't even realize it happened in season four, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like, I knew it was in season five, so I'm just, like, astounded that it happened here. (laughs) How about you? I enjoyed it more than last week's episode. Mm -hmm. There's a lot going on. I 
didn't really like the Lorelai and Jason stuff. I feel like I really am becoming just a bummer about Jason, but we'll get to it. That's (laughs) fine. Yeah. (laughs) I was taken aback by the Paris and Asher stuff. I feel like I might also have a controversial opinion on that once we get there, but I'll (laughs) save it until then. (laughs) Don't want to start off. Season four is finally where we start to argue. Maybe we'll see. Yeah. (laughs) The most polite arguments you'll ever hear. I know where we end up like more or less kind of agreeing with each other, but <laughs> I also see your not. point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, before we get into all of that, we will do our talking fast segment. Okay. You will be going first. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. On your mark, get set, go. So I've got a bit of a switch up at Luke's. He has a new employee who proves to be terrible and scares everybody in town away by not remembering any orders or anything. Um, Paris is introduced to Asher Fleming by Richard. Also, Richard invites Rory to the Yale versus Harvard game. And then Lorelai decides she wants to go as well. So they go on this whole tailgating thing, which is like a rich person's version of tailgating. And Richard and Emily fight over Penelin Lot. And, uh, there's, oh, I think I did (laughs) almost okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think I forgot something important. Oh, the date. (laughs) Mm. Oops. I'll I'll try to hit it. (laughs) Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Ready, set, go. The big Harvard-Yale football game is here and everyone is in attendance, including Lorelai and Rory with Richard and Emily. They are doing the fanciest tailgating we've ever seen. Emily learns that Richard's been going to lunch with Penelope Lot for 39 years and this ensues a fight. Lorelai also receives Emily lashing out at her um, and so she decides to go on a date with Jason. Uh, meanwhile, Luke is having Brennan problems and then fires him and he should just hire Lane. Okay. <laughs> nice. That was pretty good. Mm. Plenty okay. more to be said. <laughs> Absolutely. So we start off, uh, with a cold open, like many we've seen before with Lorelai and Rory going to Luke's. Um, they get there and the diner is very packed, so they linger around some tables to try and get them to go which is an interesting tactic i would like to say that i would be stubborn and sit there but i probably would leave if somebody's lingering over me mm-hmm. <laughs> um they end up being able to pull two tables together from as a result from the lingering yeah and lorelei is expecting luke to be very angry about this because as you know luke is a grump and supposedly they've done something like this before but he's gotten mad, but only that one time. (laughs) Um, But he comes over and he's super chipper, not very Luke-like at all. And they find out that he has finally hired help. And that help is a guy named Brennan, who Rory went to high school (laughs) with. (laughs) And he's an interesting character. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Luke is sunny, and it's because he hired help, right? And this had me thinking, like, maybe (laughs) this whole time... Luke hasn't really been that cranky of a person, but it's because mm-hmm. he's been so overworked that he's been miserable and burnt out. And now he's like finally realizing he just needed someone to share his like labor and he's happier. Yeah. So that's what I was thinking about because I think about like work politics all the time. Yeah. But I was wondering like, was I missing a subtext that was like not spoken? 
Are we we supposed to think he's happy because of Nicole and or Brennan? I was like, am I I missing something here? I felt like Lorelai at the beginning wanted it to be about Nicole. Like the whole, oh, he's finally getting laid type of ridiculousness. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it really was because of Brennan. Okay. And I think you're right. Like Luke works there from open to close, which has got to be like 15 hours a day. Yeah. (laughs) He's never not there. So, yeah, maybe he was just really happy about Brennan. Okay. An interesting choice. And (laughs) it's, like, mysterious, like, where he found Brennan, like, when he decided Mm -hmm. to hire Brennan. Like, this will come up more, I guess, as we get into other scenes. But maybe I was just, like, overthinking this plot line. But I was a little, like, (laughs) what's – I don't get it. But maybe it is what it is. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it is just kind of a comedic comedic plotline. Okay. Yeah. But we also, we find out that Brennan disgusts Rory because of something (laughs) he did in like middle school, I think, which was dissect a frog and then eat a sandwich right afterwards without washing his hands, which is absolutely disgusting. Mm -hmm. But also it was many years ago. But Brennan doesn't really seem to have changed. Right. I'm like, (laughs) so... I would be with you critiquing Rory's grudge if we didn't see what Brennan is like in the rest of the episode. And then I'm like, Mm -hmm. I have to be with Rory on this one. But Brennan, like, props to this actor whose name I did not look up, unfortunately. This is a very funny character. The way Mm -hmm. that he acts, like, opposite to people who are just getting so worked up by him. And he is just so (laughs) chill and clueless. And when Rory, like is talking to him like remember me Brennan and she brings up the frog even and he just like deadpans (laughs) like there's been a lot of frogs man and I was just I was just cracking up and he's got some other great moments coming up as well Mm. he's kind of like your classic high school stoner skateboarder type of character who just always seems a little bit fried um but is a lovable but oblivious because yeah. I don't feel like he's a bad person. He's just bad at this job. <laughs> totally. And part of me was wondering, like, well, this will come up later. So maybe I'll just bring it up there. But I was wondering, like, is Luke making, like, a Jess connection here at all? Oh, maybe. I don't They've know. They've got such different personalities. Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe he just saw, like, a wayward teenager. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, I also have to question... As you've mentioned many times in past episodes, why is Rory in Stars Hollow right now? Yeah, why is she home? <laughs> <laughs> but um, our mostly because our next scene is right at the Yale cafeteria. So it's like, did she leave for Yale right after this? Is this a totally different day? Yeah, what day is this? Is this yeah, a weekend? Confusing. Um, but before we move on quickly, I did have my gotta taste test in this scene for Luke's cheery sunny disposition and he has decided to make pumpkin pancakes with homemade cinnamon butter and we are in fall currently and that sounds exactly like the thing I would want to eat so I would Mm -hmm. like to taste that and it sounds like it's about like the end of November ish in Stars Hollow based off of what Emily is complaining about later on (laughs) so it would be perfect timing yeah I actually had like a question about the timing of this episode And I didn't really want to play time police too much. But (laughs) in this conversation, Rory and Lorelai 
decide to like compare their calendars and discuss when they'll be seeing each other and whatnot. And Rory says like her on an upcoming Monday is when she'll start like studying for finals. And so Lorelai won't be seeing her. But then later on, like they're at a football game and it's just like, I think everything else is giving like early to mid-November vibes. But that conversation, I'm like, finals would be in December. Yeah. And it doesn't seem that cold when they're at the football game. That's all. Yeah. That's all. You know, (laughs) it's vaguely winter. (laughs) Yeah. Almost Christmas. Mm -hmm. But our next scene at Yale is Rory and Paris having lunch with Richard, which is the beginning of him like reminiscing over his college days that continues the whole episode. Mm -hmm. And Paris gets my Jess sass attack because um, she responds to something Richard says by calling him. uh, She says, you're a honey-tongued devil dick. <laughs> I just thought it was hilarious. And Rory I also is have to say, like, like what? <laughs> yeah. For those of you who don't know classic uh, English names, Dick is a nickname for Richard. It's She's mm-hmm. not calling him a dick. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my grandpa's name was Dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, great. Paris, like, I don't know. She has this way about her where she is so immature in so many ways but she also has this demeanor and like presence Mm -hmm. that feels so much older than she is yeah and it really comes out when she's talking to these older men which is questionable yeah she really oscillates between like assured self-confidence and then such Mm -hmm. like awkward self-doubt and consciousness and whatnot and we see like both sides within the scene alone Mm mm-hmm like when Paris does meet Asher Fleming, who Richard introduces to both of them, she's kind of this like manic, excited energy, like saying a lot of things to him. And then afterwards, she like second guesses herself like, oh, I should have said I was a fan to start and things like that. Um, yeah. And she like is asking him for an interview. And this is the beginning of Paris and Asher. So, yeah save our thoughts till the end about that Mm -hmm. another moment i did like in this scene which i almost gave a just ass attack as well was when rory pretends to want an interview with asher fleming just to like get paris going and then (laughs) she's like oh i'm just trying to make you crazy and paris says like that's hard feel proud Which I loved. Uh, so true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like in last episode when she knew that she would have the most the most enemies. She knows herself, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's all that time with Terrence who has disappeared. Yeah, I thought we'd see more of him, but yeah. we have not seen him again. Yeah. We also haven't heard anything. Well, I guess we did hear about Jamie recently when he was calling her all the time. Yeah. But, but he's nowhere to be found in this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> significantly (laughs) yes um our next scene takes us back to stars hollow where lorelei is arriving home and she has a voicemail from jason and we know that he's been groveling to this point and that she's been resisting his advances but as she's listening to this voicemail she's definitely like smiling and she looks pleased i would say and at this i was thinking like 
I might normally think of this as a red flag, like the fact that he won't give up even when she's kind of like rejected his advances. And yet I personally was not finding it that annoying or anything. And I was like, why is that? And maybe it's because I admire the way that like it's involved so many gifts. (laughs) Like (laughs) I like a good gift. And then also that it's like from afar, you know, like voicemails and things are from afar and then like ultimately I think it's that wit and charm from the actor as well that can like a good turn of phrase and like whatnot can kind of like cover up the whole like he won't let this go kind of thing for me but um yeah yeah. how do how do you feel (laughs) I have to admit I disagree I I mean it's not something to disagree about it's just I have a different (laughs) different reaction I it's one of my greatest icks in any sort of relationship, like friendship, work, whatever, that if somebody asks me to do something and I say no, if they ask me again, I'm really pissed off. <laughs> Sometimes you can ask me again, like in a week, mm-hmm. but then after that, never again. Mm-hmm. And him, like, I like the idea of being worn down into a date is one of the grossest things to me. <laughs> And I, it feels like Mr. Collins from mm. Pride and Prejudice, yeah. where he's like, I know a lady of your caliber is want to like re- refuse a man on his first advances, and that just shows her character. I'll keep trying. <laughs> just like, no, I'm so grossed out by this. I, I don't know. I really don't know what it is about watching it this time, because in the past, I really liked Jason. Mm. I Maybe I'm just coming it from it like at a different perspective with like with how I've changed over the past two years since I rewatched it in full <laughs> yeah but I'm just like I'm not having it I am sorry to Jason he's a great actor his line delivery is astounding but I am not in, not having it <laughs> yeah I hear you sorry I hear to you. Jason I feel like also like thinking of the influence of Dean for example mm. it's just so like we like put him on we were like so harsh on him for all of his phone calls and whatnot yeah. that it's like I don't apply the same lens to Jason and maybe that's yeah. a me problem <laughs> well I feel like it's just different types of wooing yeah like and what like is your ick or yeah. not mm-hmm. yeah some people like being the object of a chase I guess <laughs> and some people really don't yeah and it it can cross a line for everybody, but for some people, this would be a huge turn on. I can understand that, I guess. <laughs> and maybe, like, maybe seeing Lorelai, like, smiling and, like, yeah, kind of seeming to enjoy the voicemail, maybe that was partially a signal to me that, like, oh, I personally find Jason charming, and then I also see Lorelai finding him charming, and so then I'm kind of, like, having this opinion and you don't find him charming. So, I mean, I think I see where we're coming from, definitely. I do also, like, I also, I see where you're coming from as well as we disagree. Because, <laughs> like, Lorelai's, um, she would be giving off a dip- different vibe if she was really not into it at all. So, yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. Like, she's still, like, playing with the idea of it and enjoying the the attention. So, that makes it less that makes it okay <laughs> mm-hmm. for her yeah. not 
like it wouldn't be I wouldn't be my taste obviously but right. she seems to enjoy this game that they're playing with each other <laughs> yeah but a cat and mouse or whatever <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly and if she likes it that's fine mm-hmm. is this the part <laughs> where she calls him back uh yeah yeah for the the first time she calls him back yeah yeah and they talk he's, about um apparently he's like astounded that she actually called him back yet he also seems to have a dinner reservation for them which mm-hmm. for the next day which i don't quite understand how that <laughs> works very optimistic <laughs> yeah and he says you'll need a little black dress which i was like i don't know i was like one it's kind of like bossy telling her what to wear but then also i'm like oh he like knows the whole little black dress trope like that's I don't I don't even know how to feel yeah at least he's giving her a heads up on the wardrobe I guess I don't know but her argument in this scene is that he's from her hood you know Mm. and she does there's like too much entanglement between him and her the world she's trying to kind of distance herself from I guess like working with Richard his parents are basically the same as Richard and Emily, all that kind of stuff. So that's her argument at this point. But as you said, she doesn't seem too attached. I don't know. She's still kind of entertaining it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. An interesting dynamic. Yeah. Of which we'll see more a bit later on. Mm -hmm. But for now, we turn to a Friday night dinner. The homeowners association comes up once again last time it was about halloween candy this time it is about christmas decorations so i guess we're marking the time seasonally in this way (laughs) um their neighbors decorations are not to richard and emily's taste so they're discussing like who can how can they report it and whatnot but from there the conversation turns to the harvard and yale game which richard invited rory to earlier and Lorelai decides that she would like to go to the game. And this might be another moment where I was wondering if I missed subtext, but why do you think Lorelai wanted to go to the game? I thought she was feeling left out mm. and wanted to go. Did you think of something else? No, yeah. I was thinking like maybe if she was jealous that they got to spend time with Rory. Oh, yeah. Or... Oh, like she just wanted to spend time with Rory as well or also like she was feeling left out of like they invited Rory to something they consider important but not her so mm-hmm. yeah yeah I think it's along those things yeah it was interesting they to like I don't know she invites herself pretty much which le- leads them to have to uninvite some other people <laughs> um And also, it seems like their original plan was to have, like, four other people go with them, two other couples. Yeah. But we don't see any other couple with them, do we? Like, they don't have other friends there. It's just Penelope Lott who shows up, and she obviously wasn't invited. Yeah. (laughs) So it's an interesting little... I mean, it was a funny bit, Mm because they have to, like, run around figuring out how to uninvite people, and that was pretty funny, but it was also... A bit of a plot hole. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that we were like, we can't un- uninvite the guy who just had his colon removed. <laughs> yeah. And then Richard like runs out later and is like, oh, Cecil is the one who had his colon <laughs> removed. So we can't, actually we have to keep him invited and the other guy can't. <laughs> but I, it was just, it was interesting to me as well because it was like, I feel like Emily in particular, 
I think I almost feel like she would be flattered or happy that mm-hmm. Lorelai wants to be a part yeah. of it. And maybe she was like secretly hiding that a little bit. But it's like usually they can barely get Lorelai to come to things like this. And mm-hmm. this time she's actually inviting herself. Although I guess at the time she didn't realize that football is longer than an hour and a half. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I was wondering if maybe maybe they were having flashbacks to um, the Yale visit in season mm-hmm. two. Didn't Lorelai kind of invite herself to that as well? Like it had originally um, just been Rory invited by Richard. Yeah. I don't remember exactly. But. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Maybe they're just suspicious of any time she shows interest in their lives. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> Which is sad. <laughs> and I feel also reciprocated. Lorelai mm-hmm. feels the same way. <laughs> but after this scene, we're back at Luke's and it's the day or it's the day of the football game. So they're up super early, um, ready to head over to the game day festivities. And Lorelai is very upset that it is so early. She's like sleeping on the tables practically. She also, as you said, thinks that football games last like an hour, an hour and a half, uh, which maybe she was thinking of soccer. Aren't those games faster because they don't have all the like pauses that football has? I don't know. Probably. Probably. <laughs> don't, watch, don't watch sports. But I do remember going to high school football games and they were at least four hours. Um, so she is a, a bit dreading and regretting that she agreed to go on this. We also see a little bit more of the mayhem caused by Brennan. He comes to take their orders, doesn't write anything down, which concerns Lorelai, and he clearly forgets everything that they said. He also give Kirk asks for a napkin, and he pulls one out of his back pocket and gives it to him. <laughs> Kirk then asks for a napkin for his napkin mm-hmm. uh, because it's dirty. <laughs> Very gross. <laughs> And then Lane arrives with a box of donuts, complaining that they should have been bagels, and apparently this has happened multiple times that week. And this is when we get Lane saying that she wishes she had been, had known that Luke was hiring because she would have liked the job. Again, I ask, what, is she going to college or not? But also, <laughs> how did Luke advertise for this job? Did he just, like, pick somebody who came into the diner who is, like, employment age? I don't know. <laughs> That's what I want to know. Like, I want to know, did Luke put out a job ad? Did he know Brennan and hire him? Did, you know, Brennan just come in and ask for a job? Like, how did it happen at all? Because Lane here says, like, I would have loved the job. Mm -hmm. And clearly she's much more qualified. And we know eventually she will work at Luke's, which I forgot happened and it must happen in the season. And I... I think perhaps it was like, I think this is a funny bit, but I felt like I was missing like one or two pieces of the puzzle to mm-hmm. connect it all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wonder if um, Nicole convinced Luke to hire help. Yeah. And so then we could, that could be like the connecting piece also between like his, I don't know, chipperness from them getting back together and then also having this employee and then also yeah. like Lorelai's potential like she's aggravated by Brennan rightfully but she also seems a little bit more just like upset that Luke's isn't the same anymore so yeah that could have been a connecting tissue or what if Brennan was like Nicole's nephew or something like that yeah that could work too and then he's like afraid to fire him (laughs) 
Yeah, that would have been funny. <laughs> uh, we should have written, as we've said multiple times, we should have been consulted. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but from here, we go to the start of the Yale-Harvard game. And once they are at Yale, Rory and Lorelai are just on the ground <laughs> talking about how tired they are, I guess. And Rory says, I find nothing exciting before 11 a.m., which I identify yeah. with as well. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> uh, Richard and Emily arrive, and I want to give them my Lorelai's closet. <laughs> Emily in particular, she's wearing like a Yale crew neck she's got a sh like a collared shirt on underneath that most and a visor uh but most fun i think is that her pin that she's wearing says harvard go to hell on it <laughs> i didn't notice that yeah i had to like read closely and i was quite <laughs> amused by that and like at this point lorelei's kind of being like a sat not a sat tag she's being kind of like a a rainy day on their parade she's being a little grumpy about like all of the game day related festivities and she'll come around especially once the fun flask is introduced but at this point she says that emily and richard are wearing funny hats but she's wearing a visor he's wearing a baseball hat like they're wearing yale gear and it's yeah, just it's like very normal very normal and i am not one for football but if I were to be involved in something like this, I would have fun putting on the merch, having the snacks and the drinks, toasting to a dog. Like, I think those kind of traditions are the fun part and then the football yeah. is the boring part. And I feel like perhaps they educate Lorelai on this or she experiences it and joins it on the fun in the end. Uh, but early on, she's a skeptic. And I was like, they aren't wearing funny hats. Like, they're wearing very fun gear, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. My Lorelai's closet goes to Lorelai, <laughs> who is wearing a crimson shirt, as Emily uh -huh. points out. And a, she is wearing a blue vest over top. So at least she's got I some I thought it blue. looked black to me. Maybe it was oh, blue. I thought it was navy blue. Hmm. But maybe I'm just biased because I like that color. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Emily gives her a hard time for this and ends up giving uh, Lorelai her jacket to wear over, which... I think makes a lot of sense. You wouldn't want to wear the rival colors amongst yeah. all those Yale people. Like, that just wouldn't go well. So Lorelai should have known that. <laughs> Why didn't Rory warn her that morning? Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Rory was wearing, like, a white, chunky knit sweater. It reminded Very me of the, ambiguous. the classic Rory sweater Yeah, from the, the pilot. But it, like wasn't oversized anymore like she grew into it or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe it is the same one <laughs> but yeah I also agree I feel like the all of the rituals are very Lorelai things like these are mm -hmm. things she would do herself in a different circumstance so it is kind of ridiculous that she's making fun of them so much and it's just like just because Emily and Richard do this doesn't mean it's terrible it's mm -hmm. it's kind of fun goofy traditions yeah. you know <laughs> yeah I gave also my out of our Ivy League to in general just the whole set of like pregame traditions that we see because it's very much like you know this specific Yale Ivy League their customs and whatnot and it seems like the show has like researched them because they seem to 
mm-hmm. specific to be like made up. <laughs> um, but the one that I wanted to nominate in particular is when they go to see this like, um, what is it called when you stuff animals again? Tax taxidermy. <laughs> yeah, when they go to see this like taxi taxidermy dog Dan, the first dog mascot. And Richard is like explaining this and then they bring out these flasks because apparently they toast Dan before the game and Richard says this like toast slash prayer about like please let us win and all of this and then they all take a shot like very somberly and I thought it was just so fun. Um, I wanted to ask so like the fun flask is clearly alcohol of some kind but what do you think is in the Rory flask? I don't know. I was going to guess like ginger ale or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Something just like soda. Maybe it's coffee. I don't know. Oh, water. coffee. Yeah, <laughs> Sparkling <water>. apple juice. <laughs> but you don't really put like uh, carbonated things into flasks. I know. Really. There's not so. much room either. Yeah. That just I don't know. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I also, though, gave Handsome Dan uh, one of my nominations. I gave him my Rory's <laughs> bookshelf. <laughs> Oh, nice. I, like, didn't notice anything else in this episode, so I decided to do a little bit of research on Handsome Dan, <laughs> and so he is, as you said, the college's mascot. Um, he's been around since the 19th century. I kind of hope the taxidermied one is not the original Handsome Dan, but I it might be, because it'd be, like, over 150 years old, um, but I also looked up which handsome Dan would be uh, presiding over Yale games while Rory was at Yale, and it would have been Handsome Dan the 15th. Oh, wow. There were a lot of Handsome Dans. Some of them lived out their whole lives as Handsome Dans, and some were retired for behavioral issues. (laughs) One of them I thought was really cute uh, was scared of crowds, so he, he couldn't be around them. Another one was a bit aggressive so he became a farm dog and lived out his life there mm-hmm. um but yeah it was uh very interesting looking at all the handsome dance that's so fun <laughs> yeah very cute. i can yeah i can relate to that because my undergrad was the bulldogs as well oh yeah and i was gonna so ask you we had like a we did have a real dog and they would like retire them at a certain point as well and they like have specific names like blue the second like blue two was one and stuff or like there'd be puppies and they'd be like this will be the future dog and I think those mascots had like the best treatment on campus ever like they had a guy who was like always with them and they had a specific van and like this was just like the ultimate celebrity. Like everyone wanted to pose with the bulldog, and um, yeah, they were just like a star as well. But I do not believe we had a taxidermy version <laughs> of any iteration of the dogs that I'm aware of. <laughs> wow, cool. My yeah, college mascot was a lobo or a wolf. Oh, uh, okay. we did not have. There were not pet wolves that That'd came probably around. Probably be pretty to cruel to a wolf. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are two like uh, outfits, costumes. There's like a lobo, a boy lobo, and a girl lobo, and they always mm. have like these funny interactions at games. So I'm told. I've never been to one, so you know. <laughs> 
I didn't even know my school had a football team until I went. That is how like <laughs> much of a non-issue the football team was. Yeah. We were a big, big, big basketball school. Mm-hmm. And I always thought yeah, it was, no. yeah, I thought it was silly that our homecoming was aligned with football um, and not basketball. I think it's because like people like to do that whole tailgating that we'll see here. Mm-hmm. And it has to be a certain amount of warmth for that to happen. Um, and basketball is usually more in the colder winter months. But I was like, mm-hmm. people actually would want to tailgate a basketball game. Nobody wants to tailgate a football game. <laughs> but like they would, I guess, for homecoming. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We never, well, I'm sure there was tailgating. Obviously, I didn't go. But I was <laughs> just remembering that my university also had a rival, uh, mm. just like Harvard versus Yale. It was mm-hmm. New Mexico State University, which is about six hours south. <laughs> and their uh, their mascot was an Aggie, like a agricultural worker. And Oh, my. <laughs> there was a tradition at UNM of, there's the be- they'd make like a big straw Aggie and burn it. <laughs> oh my! I, think, I don't think that was still happening when I was there, because uh, it's dangerous, especially in a desert uh, when you could start a fire easily. But <laughs> <laughs> so many uh, notes, yeah, traditions, <laughs> yeah, uh, memories. <laughs> but we've talked about tailgate a little bit in our memories, and this is about where we're at next in the episode. Emily and Richard's version of tailgating Mm -hmm. is lovely. I think we'd all like it. They've got this whole like trailer RV set up. They have a maid. They have a chef. We later learn they're eating steaks. Like (laughs) this is not tailgating kind of. Yeah. This is my out of our Ivy League. (laughs) For good reason. For that reason. And the, the, not the margaritas, sorry. The um, Bloody Marys, like, Mm -hmm. it's all just very lovely, (laughs) luxurious. Very rich. They even had, it looked like they had a whole, like, camper set up and everything. And it wasn't just them. There were multiple setups like this. So it was like, this is such an Ivy League tradition where everybody is wealthy enough to do something like this. I imagine like the grilling is something that happens at most tailgates but not set up quite like this no definitely not I feel like you will often rent like one parking spot Mm -hmm. and you have like your truck open or something like that 
I think people set up tables and grills and things, but this is, or even like tents, you know, but that would be for like a group or something. This mm-hmm. is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Very bougie. <laughs> um, Richard, during all of this, is super proud of Rory. He's kind of showing her off to everybody. He's also like living out his college nostalgia, <laughs> joining in with the whiff and poofs as they start singing, singing the a- Eli Yale song. He's very, very into this whole whole thing and having Rory there especially. We also get like a short conversation between Lorelai and Emily where Emily asks if Rory's still seeing, what did she call him? She what wasn't called a hoodlum him at this point. Um, the ex-hoodlum. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. Jess. <laughs> yeah. Hoodlum, yeah. <laughs> and this is the first mention we've gotten of Jess for so long. It's kind of yeah. out of the blue. Um, but Lorelai confirms that no, they're not, they're not talking anymore. Rory's pretty stoic about it. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like Richard, supposedly. <laughs> and Lorelai does not mention Jason at all. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, we also briefly see Paris, who has decided that football is boring. So she asked Rory to take a picture of her smiling like they won and then frowning like they lost and then she's gonna go home and I found that incredibly relatable (laughs) yeah that was my gazebo moment actually nice (laughs) I don't know like I liked a lot from this episode but nothing I like was really gazebo moment worthy other than that because it was so relatable and so yeah it's how I would deal with sporting events if I had to go (laughs) Mm mm-hmm But I think the big moment and the memorable moment from this episode is when Penelope Lott shows up, the devil herself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. She who must not be named. She who must not be named. And Lorelai approaches her and says, you're my almost mommy. (laughs) Which I think is such an iconic line. And I gave it my jet sass attack for that reason. (laughs) Like you have to wonder, like, is Lorelai so oblivious that she doesn't realize the tenseness of the scene? Or is she so aware that she's trying to break the tension by saying something so wild, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but either way, Emily doesn't seem to appreciate the remark. And as Penelope is leaving, Emily is coaching Lorelai of like, we don't talk to her. We don't see her. We don't joke with her. We don't refer to her like... All of these things that will only make what happens next hurt even more, you know. Mm-hmm. But one thing is clear is that Emily is definitely not over the whole Pendleton lot situation yeah. here. Some like 40-ish, 35, 40 years later. Yeah, she says 39 years mm, okay, later yeah. on. Like they've had that many lunches. Yeah. So yeah, almost 40 years. Yeah, I guess their 40th is uh, when they do their vow renewal, maybe. Is that right? Probably. I don't know. But yeah, I also love that they always refer to her as Penelope Lott. Mm-hmm. And that's such a rich person's name. <laughs> yeah. It Not just like Penny, sounds like, like, yeah. It sounds like somebody at the Hamptons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's got a lot of pennies. Oh, there uh. we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. Okay. <laughs> The next scene is at Luke's, and this whole scene was my Stars Hollow moment. Um, was Might it as yours well. as well? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we see Luke is like walking down the sidewalk and he starts passing townsfolk, and then they're all like in a line, and 
It ends up they're all in a line in front of Weston's. And <laughs> Luke stops and says hello and um, tells Kirk that he has his favorite kind of cheese, which I think is very thoughtful. Yeah, that was like the specific detail I wanted to give my nomination to. Like oh, the yeah. fact that, like we've commented before, like Luke has been like, leaving to get groceries and then takes the order you know of Lorelai mm-hmm. and Rory and here it's like such a small town place that he's like Kirk I got your pepper jack cheese and then later he's like worried like you can't leave me with three pounds of pepper jack cheese like I got it for you and I'm like is Kirk really gonna go through three pounds of pepper jack cheese even if he comes in every day I don't know but I liked that detail <laughs> yeah it's very sweet it also shows Luke as he says in just a couple minutes, like he doesn't come off as very nice, but everybody's given him a chance and he's like earned his place in the town. Mm-hmm. He cares. Yeah, exactly. But Kirk's reaction is kind of just to say, okay, and avoid answering. And then Luke finally asks, you know, what's going on? Why is everybody going to Weston's for lunch? They don't usually do that. And it's the pastor whose name I just completely forgot. Um, (laughs) who tells the truth and says that they just don't want to go to Luke's anymore because Brennan is terrible and everybody kind of adds on uh, their experiences with him, like all the things he's forgotten or given them the wrong wrong orders or whatever. And Luke tries to defend Brennan by saying he's just giving him a chance, like he'll he'll get used to it, he'll get trained, he'll get better. They all gave Luke a chance. He wasn't the the best when he was Brennan's age, but look at him now. And then Luke says, like, uh, he as in uh, normal Luke fashion, he ends by saying, well, if you guys don't want to come, then I don't want you there and stuff like that. And then he turns around and sees Brennan singing and dancing and playing air guitar on the <laughs> tables of the diner, the empty tables of the diner. Mm-hmm. And he turns around and says... Give me one hour. <laughs> and that's the end of Brennan. <laughs> Actually, he said, give me, just give me 10 minutes. So oh, okay. it's going to be a quick firing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine Brennan takes it well. He doesn't seem too invested in the job. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think he'll just be like, okay. And then walk yeah. off and then probably forget that he was fired and come back the next day and then have to be reminded and say, okay, again, mm-hmm. and then leave for good. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it was Luke's, like, defense rant of Brennan that had me wondering, like, is Luke identifying with Brennan? Mm-hmm. Which I definitely think is a part of it. Is he thinking of Brennan as another Jess of, like, well, I had to defend Jess against the town as well. Like, I'm going to do the same for Brennan. Um, or, like, what was going on? This is why yeah. if it was Nicole's nephew, he'd be like, well, it's my girlfriend's slash wife's nephew. Like, it will be hard for me to fire him. But... Mm-hmm. Either way, um, it's all very, it's very humorous to me. And yeah, <laughs> at one point, Luke mentions Brennan's name, I think, or I don't know. And Kirk says, Brennan, Satan, whatever. Like, <laughs> he compares him to Satan, which was fun, too. Yeah. I also would have appreciated a storyline when Luke, where it's like explicitly said that Luke starts kind of taking in like wayward youths. Mm-hmm. and shaping him up or giving him jobs or something yeah but they don't yeah they don't ever touch on that again unless giving lane a job is <laughs> counts but i wouldn't call her a wayward youth i think she's wayward 
she's a wayward college student that's yeah. for sure or maybe is wayward. she a college student <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> she might be wayward in mrs kim's estimation in a few weeks i don't remember how True. long it takes yeah yeah we will see mm-hmm. but from here we are back to the yale harvard tailgating and this is when we see them eating steak we meet the real alive dan as well everyone is like crowding around him because he's cute and then we see marty once again and uh richard overhears rory describing him as naked guy and marty is rightfully mortified by this but richard is not like thrown off by this at all and he goes on to a whole story about how he was naked for an entire month of his sophomore year and it's because they were protesting the new dress code they wore a silk tie and nothing else and they found themselves very popular with the ladies and he finishes this up with um the takeaway that one night in the hallway does not a true naked guy make uh so you know he's basically saying marty like you didn't really do that much to get that moniker. Um, and as Marty is departing with Rory to go see or go visit a party on the lawn, Marty like says uh, he calls Richard Obi-Wan in parting. And this was my Rory's bookshelf. Obi-Wan being, of course, Anakin's Jedi master. And I don't think I have to say too much more about this, but I did want to look up like what part of star wars was contemporaneous with this season four and it was like the newer prequels they the first one came out in 1999 and then the second was 2002 so that would have been like pretty much before this was airing and then the third one was 2005 so it would have been like right after season four so they were definitely referring to the ewan ewan mcgregor obi-wan and like in the height in his heyday of handsomeness and whatnot so i really enjoyed that star wars reference as i think i might have mentioned on the podcast or off i just completed a huge rewatch of all of the star wars movies which was really fun so uh yeah i like that reference (laughs) yeah i'm glad you caught it i remember i remember it but didn't write it down so i'm glad that you gave it its due Uh, yeah i do think we get like we've had a lot more like lord of the rings i think than Mm -hmm. star wars and they're both very good references to make so yeah yeah very like cultural saturation you don't even have to have seen the movies to know what he's saying when he calls richard (laughs) obi-wan yeah definitely so after this uh rory goes off with marty to a party which we don't see anything of and marty and party rhyme i just realized that (laughs) Um, and then emily tells lorelei that it's time to go to the bathroom it's an hour before kickoff um and the lines will be short which i think is very good Mm -hmm. uh timing but i also have to ask they've been drinking so much stuff and (laughs) lorelei gets a coffee after going to the bathroom like she's not gonna make it five hours (laughs) without having to go to the bathroom again so it's good to you know empty the bladder now to refill it later but still yeah and then like in my experience the bathrooms aren't that bad like during the game but you Mm -hmm. have to be careful on like either going to the bathroom or getting food during halftime and things like that because it's like everyone else has the same exact idea you know so yeah this is wise but yeah they've been drinking way too much to think this is gonna be enough (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
but while Emily is still in the bathroom, Lorelai is waiting outside. And first she sees a mother take her son into the bathroom and make some ridiculous claims, which I just want to say are uh, very good arguments for having bathrooms like a lot of the rest of the world has where stalls reach all the way down to the ground and you can go in and have privacy and it's a gender neutral bathroom. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But that's a different story, I suppose, because (laughs) Penelin Lot comes out. (laughs) Takes the main stage. (laughs) Yeah. And she is just doing some polite chit chat with Lorelai. She mentions that she heard Lorelai's opening an inn and how's that going And during this conversation, we see Emily standing in the background, silent, just listening to them. And at first, it seems like an innocent conversation. But then you remember that we don't speak to Penelin Lot. So how does she know about Lorelai's inn? This is the big drama of the episode. (laughs) This is exactly what Emily asks of Richard when she returns, even though there's a whole crowd of boys standing next to them because Richard has promised them Bloody Marys. <laughs> but Laura like tells them to run once the argument gets underway, which is good advice. Mm-hmm. And Emily lashes out at Richard, questioning how did Penelot know this? And Richard admits that he had lunch with her a couple months ago. And then he says, this is something they've been doing every year since he and Emily married, which, as Emily mm-hmm. says, is 39 lunches. And I mean, how do you feel about this? Like, clearly, Emily views this as a big betrayal. Meanwhile, yeah. Richard is saying, like, it's not that serious. But I'm like, oh, my God. Like, that is deception. Like, that. Yeah. Me- what? <laughs> yeah, I would feel OK with it if, like. Maybe 10 years after they got married or something, he ran into Penelin Lot and they yeah. started getting lunch. And of course, he told Emily about it. But yeah. to be doing it right from when they got married makes it feel like there were a whole bunch of unresolved feelings. Mm-hmm. And that's somehow connected to these lunches and especially that he's not telling Emily about it. So yeah. I fully agree with her. I don't agree with how she deals with this. <laughs> Um, my Friday night dinner is actually how she lashes out at like the maid and then lashes out Mm -hmm. at Lorelai, completely displacing all of her anger at Richard onto these poor people. Um, but I, I, I do think that she's right in being angry at Richard for this. Totally. It's not quite, it's not cheating, but it's still like a huge betrayal of trust. No. And I think it is like, like you said, like the recency after they were married, but then just like the fact that he's lied or left out this truth for so long mm-hmm. and that she said she like he was like she didn't tell her husband either. It's like, yeah, that's why sketchy. do you feel the need to hide this? That's what makes it so sketchy. And yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Something <sighs> bad. Yeah. Mm. Like you should just. This should just be a rule. If you ever feel the need to hide something from people, then you already know it's bad and you shouldn't be doing it. (laughs) Unless like the person you're hiding it from is a bad, you know, in bad faith. But, you know, there are always gray areas. (laughs) Right. Uh, But as you said, following this, Emily tells Richard to take a walk. She needs some space. But then Emily doesn't tell everyone else around her to take a walk. So instead, she's lashing out at them, including the maid for not having enough celery, I guess. And then 
also Lorelai. Um, mm-hmm. I did question like Lorelai, her initial impulse seems to be defending Richard. Like I did notice she doesn't really first like try to comfort Emily. Not that I'm saying it's like okay that Emily took it out on her, but I did find it interesting that Lorelai was like kind of saying like, oh, it's not that bad or something. I don't quite remember what exactly she said. Um, but Emily very unfairly says, like, I told you not to talk to Penelope Lott. If you hadn't been talking, I never would have heard that she knew about the inn. So then mm-hmm. I never would have confronted Richard and everything would be okay. And it's like, no, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was so disappointing because then she would have made, maybe found out like a year later and it would have been even worse. 40 years of deception. Yeah. But yeah, I agree with you that... Lorelai I don't know what like it's so difficult when your parents are fighting with each other about like one of them was clearly in the wrong like how do you tactfully (laughs) deal with that and it's not like Lorelai has a track record of tact with Emily but yeah it was just it was such a hard scene because so far this episode had been kind of fun and then this scene Mm -hmm. was just like wow this is heartbreaking for Emily also enraging for how she treats people yeah takes a big turn Mm -hmm. well this is the inspiration for Lorelai to then want to get back at Emily by agreeing to go on a date with Jason (laughs) Um, who she calls up yep and he says wear something completely evil (laughs) so again he was commenting on what she should wear but in a fun description (laughs) like he wants the pain I guess (laughs) yeah interesting (laughs) It was, like, what she eventually wears on the date is, like, I think a black dress with, like, a V-neck. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's not, I wouldn't say evil. I know. It's fairly I standard. Was, <laughs> I was just, like, I just had this association with one of the women from the most recent Love is Blind season, which was a train wreck. <laughs> but for the reunion, yeah. she wore this, like, red dress with a huge slit up the thigh and, like, strap. Like, it was kind of, like... Not a full upper bodice. Yeah. There's pretty much like not that much fabric. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The the upper the bodice was just like a sash kind of wrapped around her. Yeah. The stress was like all sashes delicately Mm -hmm. placed. (laughs) That's what I imagine. That is an evil evil dress. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or like Lydia's like incredibly deep with like her squished boobs. That looks so uncomfortable. Yeah. (laughs) But also I hate dresses in general. But yeah, those but are Lorelai, evil Lorelai's dress looks perfectly normal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they go to this restaurant that's like, it looks super fancy. It's got like dim red lighting. Jason starts the date off by making a quip about sex workers, <laughs> mm. which was unnecessary, yeah. but in line. Um, and then Lorelai points out some famous people that she sees. She's like, this is the kind of restaurant where you see famous people. And she's like super excited to just be in the room with all these people, kind of people watching, um, seeing all the famous people and stuff. But they are led to this uh, secluded room with very soundproof sliding doors oh <laughs> that create like complete silence inside of that room as they sit down and Lorelai's not not happy about it uh what did Mm -hmm. you think about this date location (laughs) it was like 
I feel like it just shows such a discrepancy in what mm-hmm. he thinks like a good date would be and what she thinks a good date would be. And I found myself like so thrown off by like complete silence would be so weird to me. But perhaps like some people would be bothered by all the noise outside. But like I would be bothered by the complete silence on the inside of that room. Mm -hmm. But I think it's ultimately like a show of like wealth and status that you're able to get like the room where it's private. Like not only is it hard to get a table in this restaurant but it's even harder to get this room and everyone sees you go in it and you get to be like apart from everyone and that's like the status that you have Mm -hmm. to have the room um but it's also just like does jason even care about that though was this just like him on autopilot because i feel like we're also supposed to be like he's trying to like rebel from that world at the same time while also though seeming i don't know i'm like is this his ideal of a date as well or is he just doing it because he thinks that's the thing you do on a date? Is it both? I don't know. But I was like, clearly they're at odds here. Yeah. Yeah. How did you I, feel? I feel like this is his idea of an ideal date. And I mm. know I floated this for so many other characters, but I feel like he's got some sort of neurodivergence that I think comes out in later episodes more clearly. Mm-hmm. But like, I would not like this absolutely silent room. But I would also have a lot of trouble in the loud room because I like yeah. can't always differentiate voices and stuff when there's so much noise going on. I also have a very quiet voice. Um, so it would be very difficult for me. But also that complete silence. Like you would ne- at least need to have a few other people in the room having conversations or some music or something. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I did get the feeling that this was his like what he... Yeah, what he sees as a big status thing and something to impress her with. And I also, I was just wondering, like, what do you talk about in a silent room over a candlelit dinner? Like, do you just talk about normal date stuff or do you have uh-huh. to, like, get super romantic? Um, because it you seems can. uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But this, like, leads to the first impasse of the date, which ultimately is, like, a lot of, like, conflicts and butting of heads to then like end up in a resolution moment later on uh but here like I did find some of this date relatable of like it felt like very real human responses of like Jason Mm -hmm. he picks up on her vibe he's like yeah you don't like this but then he also feels weird about it and he doesn't know what to do and Lorelai's like maybe we get a table outside but he's like they're booked and so Instead of, like, suffer through the dinner, he's just like, we should just leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Lorelai's like, uh, okay. And it's just, <laughs> it's so awkward. Um, yeah. And they're, they're like, in the car. And they kind of agree, like, maybe we just go home. Um, because it continues to be awkward. But that, like, provides a temporary relief of, like, they both agree, like, we're off the hook. Like, the date is over. And Lorelai suddenly is like, oh, we're all, we're both starving, they admit. So they like, she's like, get off on this exit. And it seems like fun and spontaneous. And like, finally, it's going to turn around. But then they end up in the drive-thru for the taco barn. (laughs) And it's like, oh, how fun, how quirky. And Lorelai's like ordering all this stuff. And she turns to Jason and is like, what do you want? And then he's like, oh, I I don't, I don't like this food. But like, you get the food. And it's like, (laughs) I get both sides here too. Because he's like, well, 
you should still get food. And I like appreciate that. He's like, yeah, you should still get the food. But then she's also like, well, I don't just want to eat. Like if I'm the only one eating and you're mm-hmm. not eating, like that's awkward. And he's like, well, does it always have to be fun? And she's like, on a date? Yeah. And I just, oh, it's so awkward <laughs> to watch. I was getting such yeah. secondhand embarrassment, but I was also kind of like, it feels a little real world too when it you're does. trying to like, you know, get to know someone and you're at odds. Like, where do we fit together? What do we both like? And Mm -hmm. so then they finally end up at the supermarket. And this was my gazebo moment. Um, Like you, I also had a hard time finding like one standout gazebo moment. And maybe it was just like the relief of the awkwardness finally ending. (laughs) Um, But I also find this like memorable. Like I just for some reason really remember this and how it's like finally they're just like on a like a common ground and all of the like extraneous things are removed and they're just like, okay, we're at rock bottom here. Like we just need food. (laughs) And they're like going around the supermarket. And at first they're like, well, Lorelai's like, we shouldn't get toothpaste and things like that because this is a date but then they're both like no we need stuff so they're like picking up stuff they need but they're also both picking up food they like and they're just finally like relaxed and free with one another and um they're finally like getting along and you see the the potential between them um at one point they go in the back room which is again jason and his like power i guess but then they're out like at a table outside the grocery store having fun conversation drinking from the fun flask like it's finally good between them so Mm -hmm. i liked that in the end that was a lot what did you think (laughs) i agree this was like i feel like this was one of the best portrayals of hanger in anything i've ever seen (laughs) like they were both hungry and like frustrated with each other and it's a relatable like when you're with a friend or somebody trying to decide where to go and neither of you can make a decision because you're both angry. But I did like how it ended. Um, And like their conversation over dinner, they just seemed to get on really well. They kind of, yeah, found that common ground. They also got some interesting food. So I agree. This is super memorable. And it is like, I don't know, a, a good sign for their relationship that they could have so much conflict and then still have a nice time in the end once mm-hmm. they got their food so yeah it's a very very memorable date i wonder if people do that for dates go to the grocery store <laughs> I'd, i've heard of people going to ikea <laughs> my fiance sounds so fancy uh-huh. <laughs> uh we have done a costco date before you know like Ooh. you do your shopping and then you eat at the food court <laughs> <Nice>. afterward <laughs> it's very good um but yeah, the final the final scene in the episode is a phone call from Rory. So Lorelai, Jason went somewhere, I guess, to get silverware or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lorelai's on the date while Rory calls her. Rory gives her an update that the grandparents aren't talking. Sad face. Um, and then they <laughs> hang up. And then we see my Friday night dinner. We'll see how Suzanne feels about it in a yeah. moment. Uh, Rory looks toward, she looks out and she sees a huddled couple making out. And who is it? But Paris and one Asher Fleming. In public, in I, full view in of public, everybody. <laughs> full view. I, for one, found this disturbing. Mm-hmm. I screamed in horror. Um, 
How did you feel? <laughs> so I, 95% of me is like, this is morally and ethically wrong and disgusting, the age gap, mm-hmm. which, but then... <laughs> Then the, the 5% of me is like tickled by it because it just seems like such a Paris thing to be mm-hmm. like in a relationship with an older man and like still there like there is an inherent power differential but for some reason with Paris it feels like there's not and I know that's wrong I know it's messed up I know that it's <laughs> grooming and all that kind of stuff but I still I still kind of enjoy it in a way. So I know I have problems. <laughs> I would Don't never, worry. if this happened in real life, I would never feel that way. But yeah. with Paris yeah. and Asher Fleming, I'm, I'm just tickled by it. <laughs> yeah. You know what? And I, I do, I see what you're putting down. Like I, the way that Paris is so like funny with Richard, you know, you honey tongue mm-hmm. devil. Like just, I imagine she talked to Asher in a similar way. I'm like, who else would be with someone like Asher Fleming but mm-hmm. Paris? I mean, I do think that is a good point. And what, like, it is almost so bad that it does become funny, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I found, I just found myself disturbed on so many levels of, like, it, the power dynamic for me of where, like, mm-hmm. she is, like, a like a bumbling kind of, like, young fan when she first meets him and is, like, just giving him all of these accolades and wanting an interview with him. And I, you know, it's the classic, like, does he take advantage of that? Or even if he's not purposefully doing that, this is a situation where it's like, even if she consents, is it a full consent, you know, due to Mm -hmm. the power dynamic between the two of them? It's also just gross because he's like an old guy and she's (laughs) like at full bloom of her life. And... (laughs) Also, she has a boyfriend, not to, like, shame her or anything morally, but, like, I would be of the camp of, like, break up with your boyfriend if you want to pursue um, something with Asher Mm -hmm. Fleming. I do think the one saving grace is that she's not technically his student, you know? Like, she's not Mm -hmm. enrolled in a class of his, which would be a huge red flag as well to add to the other red flags. Uh, So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, what a moment. <laughs> There's a another show I think I've talked about before that's my favorite TV show called Northern Exposure, mm-hmm. where there's also a huge age gap between two, uh, prime like a primary couple where the, and it's kind of it's a uh, it's written in a very self aware way like the writers mm-hmm. know that it's weird and all of the characters in the show know that it's weird and they still like make make fun of it a lot it's just like a very specific type of humor that's Mm -hmm. not used in this circumstance but (laughs) yeah it's a it's interesting I hadn't really thought of it's probably the same age gap because the girl is 19 and the guy is like 62 so it's probably about the same as it is for Paris and Asher Fleming I would imagine (laughs) yeah it's like there's yeah there's like, you have to suspend some level of, if this was real life, how would I feel about it for uh-huh. for things like that? But I totally get what you, I totally understand. And 95% of me fully agrees with you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll extend 5% of myself to you as well. Maybe. <laughs> and I, I do feel like the show is clearly, like, positing this as something mm-hmm. that is, like, wrong or weird at the very least. Because... Mm-hmm. 
we're with Rory and her shock and dismay watching this, you know, and I guess we'll see how they represent it down the line, but it's not like they're saying, oh, this is normal and good, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, just imagine like your freshman roommate, like Ugh. suddenly dating a professor, not even one of the like a lot of professors might be in like their 30s, 40s, 50s or whatever, but this is like 60s going on 70s. That yeah. is just a yeah. concern. <laughs> An interesting narrative choice. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll see where that goes. We know yeah. he dies ultimately. Uh, yeah. Probably in hell for this, but... <laughs> Sounds like it's not the only time he's done it. <laughs> That's the other problem. It's like, yeah. how often does he do this? Like, just agree yeah. to interviews and then woos the young women? Yeah. yeah. I guess he must have some game. Like, But I also wonder it. <laughs> if Paris wooed him. Yeah, you know... I think that is where the 5% is of like the se- mm-hmm. it's like viewing Paris as very sexually liberated and actively pursue- pursuing her desires and perhaps mm-hmm. she has weird desires which is everyone's mm-hmm. right so <laughs> that is where the 5% is at with you I think <laughs> yeah yeah I'll do a poll about this and see what the <laughs> populace thinks <laughs> yeah hopefully they won't cancel us be like it was just yeah. the 5% okay and it was speculative <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, who was your MVP for this episode? I was between Ted Koppel because uh, he got a shout out in the title and he was at the restaurant and apparently he was like a news anchor on Nightline or something. I did Google him because he was in the title. Uh, but I think I'm actually going to give this one to Jason, which may be controversial, <laughs> but he finally got his goal, which was to go on a date with Lorelai. And he made the best of it in the end and it seems like he'll be around for a while so mm-hmm. mission accomplished for him yeah yeah yep. how about you <laughs> my mvp was lorelei uh, mm-hmm. she mostly dealt with the yale game stuff well especially when she had her fun flask mm-hmm. and yeah i thought that she she was just fun in this episode and like her yeah. relationship with jason is interesting and yeah, I also didn't feel super strongly about anybody else. So <laughs> yeah, agreed for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested to see what happens next because so far the last two episodes have like been episodes I fully remember but did not think yeah. were in season but four. did not realize. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think season four is the one that is most blurred in my memory, probably along with like <laughs> six and seven as well because yeah. As a Logan fan, like, of course, I remember season five in that way. And, Mm -hmm. like, one, two, and three are distinct. But I think I must not have paid that much attention to season four previously. But it actually, I must have been on some level because now I'm like, oh, this is really memorable and, like, important stuff. So I've been enjoying recapping season four for that reason. I clearly remember how it ends. Yeah. But I am wondering, like, I hate to say it, but there's no Rory boyfriend in this season, and maybe that's what makes it a little bit more blurry for Ooh. me. Are we I hate to be so susceptible to the fact that like we complain, but at the end of the day, is that really what we want? Mm-hmm. What we say we want? Yeah, mm-hmm. well, <laughs> my, it just might be. <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to judge ourselves at the end, you know. Yeah. For now, we can only speculate. Yep. And before we close off, don't forget to check out our Instagram and get entered in our giveaway. Woohoo! That's it. 
All right. Talk Talk soon. Thanks for listening to Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us and share us with your friends. Join us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast. And join the conversation by emailing us your thoughts, talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com.